0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, Executive Director of Energy Makes America Great and the companion educational organization, the Citizens Alliance for Responsible Energy. Each week I write a news-based energy-themed column, which you can read first on Breitbart.com, RedState.com, and many other websites and many newspapers, particularly popular in the oil patch of the United States. But this week, my column was different from most, although I maybe say that almost every week, in that it was based totally on the S-1 filing which is what Sunrun Inc. filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission as a part of their initial public offering. Now, if you listen to this show or read my column on a regular basis, you know that in the last year or so, well, actually in the last several years, I've done a lot of work on green energy, but specifically focusing on solar in the last few months, because the solar industry has become very aggressive in uh, attempts to keep or gain public policy that is favorable to their industry. We've got a federal tax credit that benefits the solar industry that is expiring in uh, a year and a half or so from now. And so they're being very aggressive at trying to get their customers in while that tax. Credit is still in place now that alone should tell you one thing is that that tax credit is really important to their existence i was speaking a, a couple months ago in las vegas nevada to a senior citizen group and they were telling me that they are being barraged constantly with phone calls from the solar industry trying to sell them solar panels and wh- one of them kind of laughed to me and said I'm going to be dead before these solar panels are paid off. But the solar industry has been very aggressive in in their marketing techniques because these tax credits are going to expire. And as the Sunrun S-1 filing revealed, these subsidies, these tax credits, these favorable policies are really central to their existence. In our first segment today, I'm honored to have with us David Williams, who is the president of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance, and their organization has done a particular study looking at these subsidies, and I'm looking forward to hearing what David has to say about this. So David Williams, president of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance, welcome to America's Voice for Energy.
1: Thank you very much, and this is... Just a a fascinating subject, solar subsidies, and really the whole renewable subsidies, but in particular solar subsidies, it's something we've done a pretty deep dive on. Um, And as you mentioned, this investment tax credit runs out at the end of 2016, and solar companies are making just, like you said, an aggressive push to get as many solar panels on as many houses as humanly possible between now and then now and then because of the subsidy. Now, let's take a, a quick step back and just look at sort of the, the whole value of the subsidies. We did a report a few months ago where we um, looked at all the subsidies that the solar power industry gets, and we're looking at about $39 billion a year. These are taxpayer subsidies, whether it's a grant, a loan, uh, the tax incentives. I mean, this is a lot of money. And, you know, back in the 1970s, Jimmy Carter said that he wanted to have 20% of all electricity to be generated by solar power by the year 2000. Well, today, 0.6% of all electricity is generated by solar power. So we're not even close to that, yet we're spending tens of billions of of dollars on solar power. And really, as you mentioned, at, at the center of that, are the subsidies, and in particular, this investment tax credit that companies are getting. So that really is the reason why they are so aggressive.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it, they're harsh in that. I mean, these people are were telling me that you know they, they just call and call and badger them uh, with that. And I explained that to them as the case at the time when I was speaking is that you know it's these credits are going to run out, and if that their whole business model as the Sunrun S-1 uh, filing revealed is really based on those credits.
1: That's an eye-opening statement for for Sunrun to make. I mean, we all assumed it. We all have been kind of theorizing that that's their business model and that's what's happening. But, you know, cynically, I'm glad to see they put this in their filing because now people can see it. Now we know that this is actually what... Uh, these companies and businesses are, are thinking and you know it, it's interesting that he talked about the senior citizen group because we've been doing some work in Arizona and we've been canvassing uh, households and asking them about their uh, how you know, they're, they're dealing with solar power and these and these companies and we're finding a real troubling uh, trend here is that when you leave solar panels and you try to sell your house you have a really difficult time in selling your house with these solar panels because not everybody wants a solar panel array on top of their house. So the solar panels devalue the house by, um, you know, ten to $20,000. And we have literally heard from elderly couples saying, we can't sell our house. We don't know what to do because we thought we were going to get cheaper electricity, so we put these solar panels on. We agreed to a, a 20-year lease. A 20-year lease, I mean, that's... A significant lease, and now we are having the problems selling our home, and we don't know what to do, and the solar company panels, solar, they did not really tell us that this was going to be a problem, so, um, and this is only, you know, two or three years into this aggressive push by the company, so I can't imagine what's going to happen five or ten years down the road, and that's why we need to talk about this now, to so, so people know just what exposure they're opening themselves up to.
0: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. I had a uh, call from a gentleman who was writing an article for Energy Biz Magazine. And after he, he and I talked, I looked him up, and he's a legitimate, uh, well-published freelance writer. And he was writing, he was looking for... Um, some information on kind of deceptive sales practices and problems with the solar industry because apparently, and I didn't follow up on this, but apparently the Attorney General of Connecticut had just filed something uh, against solar companies and their deceptive sales practices. And I told him this story about... Uh, trouble selling your house and senior citizens, and I told him some of those same things. Although I have not done the work on that that you have, uh, and and he was he was surprised at that.
1: Well, I think we're seeing a lot of shock from people because there's this there's this sort of uh, cognitive dissonance because on one hand they want to promote renewable energies, whether it's an attorney general or you know governor of a state, but now they're getting these complaints and. You know, there's a certain level of, you know, buyer beware, and we uh, would encourage everyone to read the fine print before they sign a lease. But when taxpayer subsidies are involved, and that's why we're involved in this, is because these companies are doing it because they are getting taxpayer subsidies, and they are getting, as I mentioned, tens of billions of dollars in in, uh, taxpayer subsidies. And that's why we're right in, in the middle of this, is that they're using our money. It's our money. These companies are using our money to get these tax breaks. And what I think people don't understand is the homeowners are not getting the tax break. The the companies are receiving these tax breaks because as a homeowner...
0: And that's specifically
1: when you're talking about solar leasing. Absolutely, absolutely, because when you lease the panel, you do not own that panel. The company retains ownership of those panels so they get the federal tax credit, which a lot of people don't realize until after they've signed on the dotted line. They go... Where's my tax credit? It's like, oh no, no, you don't get it. Solar City, Sunrun, we're the ones that get the tax credit.
0: Yeah. And I, I wrote about that. And I, I did a big report myself that was released in March, and uh, it's available online as well. But it's called Solar Power in the U.S.: Lessons Learned and Guidance for Policy in which I kind of brought together a lot of the research and news stories that are out there addressing some of these things. And there's there, the solar company. It's interesting to hear you say that people are having trouble selling their house with solar panels because I. I'm sure the industry uh, in their sales pitch says, oh, this will increase the value of your home. Is that what you found?
1: That's exactly what we have found. Is they said that, you know, this is the wave of the future. Everybody wants solar panels, but, you know, it's a leased product. So you have to sell the house, and then you have to sell the this, you know, leased product that's on, on your roof with the house. You know, I use this analogy. It may not be. Probably the best analogy, but it's like having a, a leased car in your living room and saying, "Well, by buying this house, you have to pick up the lease of this car. You don't have a choice." So, you know, how many people would buy a house with a car in the living room and and then pick up the uh, the lease of that car? <laughs> I think that's what you know, people don't realize.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's 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 an interesting subject to look at and people don't realize what's really going on and uh, our next guest just chimed in here we're going to be talking about what's happened in louisiana and david you mentioned what's happened uh... in arizona and arizona is one of the leaders in um... policy and they're making changes and the sunrun s1 says if these policies are changed, and I'm paraphrasing, but if yeah. these policies are changed, we will have a difficult time selling our product.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Arizona has been struggling with these issues. The companies have been struggling. If solar power doesn't work in Arizona, I don't know where else it would work. You mentioned Louisiana. They don't get nearly the amount of sun that arizona gets and you know i've seen studies that you know louisiana is giving hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies so you know this is a a a nationwide problem because each state has different uh level of subsidies for for solar power but if it doesn't work in arizona where is it going to work
0: Yes, Arizona's are cutting back on their net metering policies. They're they're adding a grid connection fee, and the story that I linked to in my column in the Arizona Republic says something to the effect of it, it with these changes, solar may not work. It doesn't pay off, and and the Sun Run S1 filing acknowledges that if these things change, consumers may not see the savings. They're expecting, and so that's why I love uh, the S one, the Sunrun S one filing, because it's like, wow, here in their own words, they're finally acknowledging. Uh, I was in Louisiana earlier this spring and talking uh, with legislators and at hearings there, and the, the solar people are just really publicly in denial of this this fact. So, David, we've got about 40 seconds left to go. What? How can people find the report that the uh, Taxpayer Protection Alliance put out on solar subsidies?
1: So we have a, uh, a website, solarsecrets.org, where we have the report and ways to, if, if you've been burned by solar, if, there, if you've had a problem with a solar company, there's a button that you can contact us. And, you know, what? I think the next step, for, uh, for the Taxpayers Protection Alliance and for really taxpayers is really to convince Congress to get rid of this, uh, this tax credit, is that we have an opportunity between now and the end of 2016, so we have time to do this, but we need to do this now, and that's our next move is to, get, to stop taxpayers from subsidizing solar power.
0: Great. Well, I appreciate your insight, David Williams, president of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance. Thanks for joining us today on America's Voice for Energy, and we'll be right back. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web.
2: My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio.
3: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat
0: radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. Today we're talking about solar power and specifically the subsidies that prop the industry up. My column this week is based on a the S-1 filing, the initial public offering from a company, a solar leasing company called Sunrun Inc. And just as a reminder, in case you didn't get it, if you want to read the study that was put together by the Taxpayer Protection Alliance, you can go to their website and uh, you'll be able to, to connect to that study. But I mentioned when I was talking with David uh, in the last segment, I mentioned what was going on in Louisiana. And I was in Louisiana a couple of times this this spring when they were fighting in the legislature, cutting back some of those subsidies in Louisiana, and uh, they were successful in that, and so I'm excited to have with me someone I met while I was in Baton Rouge, Emery Belton, and he's an attorney and a lobbyist, and he focuses specifically on energy and utility issues. And he's been involved with this issue in Louisiana since the generous subsidy that Louisiana has, or had, came into being in 2007. So he's got a, a lot of background in this. So, Emery, I'm excited to have you back on America's Voice for Energy I look forward to hearing you know, your insights about this kind of from the beginning to maybe not the end, but at least the current status.
3: Well, Marita, it's my pleasure to be here, and um, I'm, it's, I'm glad to participate and glad that um, you know you're hosting this this forum. I guess to discuss these issues because they're very important. If I could start, I'll just give you a little background. I guess what's happened here in Louisiana, so your listeners may have a better picture of what's what's transpired. As you mentioned, uh, these subsidies were put in place um, in 2007, and I'm gonna just go through some some facts and some triggers sure. and analysis that's been done. In the eight years that, that the solar industry has been subsidized here in Louisiana, there have been over 11,000 installations done. Now, these numbers are through the end of 2014. Um, solar installations have increased over 163% on an average annual basis uh, from 2008 to 2014, and much of that growth obviously is attributed to the combination of the federal and state tax incentives. Louisiana had, um, uh, if not the most generous tax credit program, is one of the most. in
0: the Yeah, my my research told said it was the most generous um, in the country. So uh, I, yeah. I don't know the hard facts on that, but that's what my research showed.
3: Yeah, the the, the law that was originally passed in two thousand seven provided the tax credit for up to fifty percent of the first twenty five thousand dollars. For the cost of each system with a maximum credit of $12,500 per system. Now, now this was different in the sense that this was actually a refundable credit where um, someone who, who acquired one of these credits could, could, irrespective of their tax liability to the state, they could take this credit in and, and get $12,500 cash from the state. Um, a very lucrative... Yeah, and
0: I think um, Louisiana is the only state that did that, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know for sure, but, but it's very you know it's very similar. Usually, the government only gives you a cash refund in instances where you actually overpay them. You know, like if you pay more income taxes in a year than you're supposed to, then you know they will they'll give you then a you cash get a refund. refund. But but this you know and this was part of the problem with this this whole system. But just I'll hit i hit some of the high points, and these are these are pretty staggering. Um, when the credit was first approved in 2007, the incentives were expected to cost the state a total of about $500,000 per year. Okay, that mm-hmm. was the fiscal note attached to the bill. In 2014, the state paid out over $63 million in tax refunds and credits. Through okay,
0: so let's run those numbers by again. It was expected to cost 50000
3: 500000
0: $500,000. Mm-hmm. mm hmm And it actually price. ended up costing?
3: Sixty-three million in two thousand fourteen.
0: <laughs> Those That's are staggering numbers.
3: Yeah, and and that number is broken down. About seventy-five percent of that are are leasing lease systems, and about twenty to twenty-five percent are actually, you know, systems that uh, people bought and put in their own yeah. homes. You know, um, now the, the bigger number is through two thousand fourteen. The state has granted cumulatively over $150 million in solar tax credits. The, uh, based on an analysis that was done last year, um, they were expecting, if no changes would have been made in the law this session, they were expecting the, the subsidies in 2015 to, to be over $80 million. So the state was really in a, in a terrible position. I mean, we were uh, faced with a $1.6 billion budget deficit, going into the session, anyhow, um, based on a combination of factors, you know, the economy and low oil prices and things like that 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 we rely on. Um, So, I mean, it was really a critical, critical situation. Um, Another point that that most legislators didn't understand and and most people outside the industry don't understand, in addition to the $150 million in in outright tax credits that these folks uh, received, Uh, they were subsidized an additional $150 million by the other utility rate payers by the amount of the uh, net metering credit.
0: Right, and uh, the the Sunrun S1 filing acknowledges that net metering is one of the three policies that basically allow them to function.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, now that the... um, the Public Service Commission here has has commissioned a study that was performed and, and will be and it, it's been published. It hasn't not been publicly debated yet, but it was done by David Disnukes, um, who works here at the LSU Center for Energy Studies and has a you know a private consulting practice. and And the conclusion basically was is that you know the um, based upon the economic impact to the state and the combined with the cost. Are the subsidies provided by other utility customers that you know there was in no way were these net medium credits justifiable or you know a, a good idea uh, to have in place. So exactly what they're going to do with them right now, they're receiving the full retail credit on a kilowatt hour basis. Um, you know, there's been some talk to knock them down to avoid a cost or, or something in that neighborhood. You know that ultimately be up to the public service commission to determine, but. You know, it, it, um,
0: it do you have any kind to, of prediction of where that's going to go with the Public Service Commission?
3: No, I mean I, the only prediction I would guess, venture to guess, is that it'll be whatever number they settle on. I'm I'm guessing will be closer to avoided costs, and it will be the retail, you know, and that's the difference probably between two or three cents a kilowatt hour and you know nine or ten cents.
0: So, so you do we'll be, you do think they will re, they will succeed in reducing? Um, what they're paying so. uh, solar customers for yeah. the electricity that they generate.
3: Yeah, I believe so,
0: yeah. And, Will, would, do you think old, uh, existing systems will be, will be grandfathered in, or will this apply well, you know, that support? That, that,
3: that's a, you know, you mentioned that. I mean, that's a, that's a serious issue that the, that the commissioners are grappling with, you know, and um, that's one of the answers that we just don't know at this point. I mean, they, you know, they don't want to... Uh, the commissioners are in a difficult position that, you know, while they weren't party to these transactions when these systems were sold, you know, a lot of these, these customers, you know, the economics that they relied upon were based upon this full retail rate, sure. you know, reimbursement. And to come in and, and kind of pull the rug out from under them like that, I, I think is, um, you no. know, the, the commissioners are sensitive to that. Now, on the other yeah. hand, you know, they, they have an obligation to protect ratepayers the best they can, you know. And so they're, they're going to have to craft some, some type of solution to address that. And, and I think that, that 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 just remains to be seen, you know, and I, I don't have a feel for that at all.
0: Yeah, in Arizona, they have where they already have made changes to the net metering policy and have added a grid usage fee and so forth, um, the, in Arizona, they they grandfathered in, and so the new policy applies to any new solar installations.
3: Yeah, yeah, and they, they could very well do something like that here. You know, it, it just – now, of course, that makes it harder on the utility companies, you know, because they, they have to formulate some method to figure out how to, you know, credit this customer, you know, this much and this other customer a different amount, and you know, but I guess, you know, they'll just work through that, but um, – you know, uh, but it, it you know the the uh, it's been debated. Well, it's been talked about some. It, you know, there was a discussion that the, the PSC may take up the solar uh, the net meeting report at its July meeting, which is at the end of this month. Uh, but I have not seen the agenda, and I'm not sure if it's on there or not. But the impression is that they'll be taking it up fairly soon, at least to to have it presented in public. And to begin the discussion of what they want to do with it, so stay tuned. I'll keep you posted
0: on that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a big topic in Louisiana in the last several right. months.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. no, it's been a huge topic, and you know, it, part of it is uh, just you know the, the the economic conditions the state has found itself in, um, and also the fact that you know the you know Louisiana. Um, in the last ten years or so, is, has been very generous with with the business community, granting tax credits and tax breaks, you know, in an effort to grow the economy and, and things of that nature. Um, but you know, I think going into this session, the business community realized that you know these things are going to have to, you know, uh, be, begin to be scaled back, and you know, everybody kind of you know um, had had to take some of the burden. Um, the oil and gas industry has. Um, you know, some utility companies have. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a broad broad based uh, pullback, and of course, solar kind of stood out because it was. You know, I mean, it was a program that was in place. Um, you know, to help a fledgling industry kind of get off get, get on its feet, and you know, really, the way the the um, the numbers just exploded. Uh, over the last eight years. I mean, I I think everybody in the state capital realized that something had to be done. It's just a question of what was going to happen.
0: And why do you think the numbers exploded?
3: Well, you know, there's there's some speculation about that. I mean, clearly, um, you know, as as you probably encountered in other states, I mean, you have basically two factions out there. I mean, you had the the leasing folks and then you had the sales folks, you know, and, you know the leasing folks. Um, leasing, yeah,
0: and they're not really you know, the same folks. No, they're not.
3: Not at all. And um, they, you know, they 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 agree on some things, but they they disagree on more things. And and um, you know, there's you know a, a lot of um, you know accusations back and forth about you know the things leasing companies would do, you know, to induce you know homeowners to participate, and you know, it just it, it's a lot of. Um, back and forth. I don't have any evidence myself of, of any missed dealings, but, I mean, there's certainly accusations of that. Um, you know, and and, and it, it was interesting uh, because that actually, some of those issues kind of came out in the legislation, which I'll be, I think now maybe... Yeah,
0: we'll we'll tell, we're, we're, we're almost, almost out... We're, we're almost out of time on this segment. We've got a few more seconds. But we, I want to talk more specifically uh, about the legislation and what happened in our next segment. I appreciate you being able to okay. join us for two segments Uh today. So uh, I guess as long as I've cut you off, I'll wrap up this segment. But for our listeners, we're talking with Emery Belton, who is an attorney, a lobbyist specializing in energy and utility issues based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we're talking about specifically right now what happened in Louisiana uh, with the solar subsidies and the bills that were passed. You're listening to America's Voice for Energy, and we'll be back with you in just a moment. Stay tuned. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
4: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out, and when necessary, support USJF as they support you. You're listening to
3: americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for
0: listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. Today we're talking about solar subsidies specifically because of the filing that the company Solar Sunrun, excuse me, the company Sunrun filed their S1 uh, r- report with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And I want to bring up something, Emery, before we continue here, because I introduced you, our guest this segment is Emery Belt, an attorney and a lobbyist uh, for the energy and utility sector. And I, you know, sometimes em- Emery, the, the idea of lobbyists gets kind of a, uh, a black eye maybe, so that people are afraid to use that word because, you know, President Obama, when he was campaigning, said, oh, there will be no lobbyists in my White House, which, of course, we know was a a, a lie right from the beginning because he had lobbyists right in the beginning. But I want to read you something from Sunrun's S-1 form. And on page 104, under the heading Government Regulation, it says... Sunrun is committed to maintaining a, quote, policy team to focus on the key regulatory and legislative issues impacting our entire industry. It then continues, we plan to continue to invest in building out our team to shape the dialogue and promote a policy framework that will be beneficial, and I included that in my column, and in it I say that the term policy team, I called it gentle speak, meaning lobbyists whose sole job is to ensure policy favorable to its business model, and I wanted to point that out in my column because somehow there is this... kind of sweet, airy-fairy kind of um, attitude, I think, about the public that, for example, the utility companies, the oil companies, they have lobbyists, but not the sweet, airy-fairy renewable energy companies, but right there in their statement, it it says, you know, they're going to have a team of lobbyists, and while they, they use the term policy team, they mean lobbyists,
3: Right. Well, you know, it, it's, um, I, I, and I agree with you. I mean, lobbying has kind of gotten a black eye. I mean, I guess it goes back many years. I mean, of course, the Jack Abramoff scandal and, and other things that have happened certainly didn't help. But, you know, I, I'll use this, I guess, as, as, as kind of an example. Years ago, um, I worked for Intergy, which is a utility company uh, here in Louisiana, the largest investor owned And I was involved with our PAC our, our employee um, political action committee, and we would have um, recruiting meetings, you know, to try to tell people about the PAC and um, see if they were interested in joining. And we would get, sometimes I'd get pushback from the employees saying, you know, well, we don't like lobbying. We've heard, you know, a lot of bad things in the media about lobbying and this and that. And, you know, I would I would listen. And then I would, you know, I would ask them, you know, usually I'd say, well, um, does, do do you have automobile insurance? And they'd say, well, yes. I said, well, I said State Farm and Allstate, and these companies have lobbyists, you know, at the Capitol protecting your interests. I said, "Uh, are you over 50 years old? And they're like, yes. I said, well, you know, AARP has has a team of lobbyists up there, too, you know, pressing their agenda. I said, you know, you're a utility customer. Well, yes, as well. I said, utility companies have lobbyists, you know, working with legislators to try to protect your interests there. So, I mean, you know, while on the one hand, lobbyists are kind of lambasted, you know, is, um, you know, um, being kind of behind the scenes. Um, I, I can I can recount many instances uh, where you know legislators have stated publicly um, that. You know, lobbies provide an important function, which is, you know, our job is basically to to educate legislators on issues that they're not particularly familiar with. Uh, we can't vote for them. Uh, all we can hope to do is engage in a dialogue with them to, to try to help them understand um, who, you know. Yes, the and, and
0: lobbyists with. from the other side are aggressively at the table as well.
3: Right. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly and through that process legislators are able to kind of, you know, separate the you know, the sheep from the goats, I guess, as they say. You know,
1: I mean,
0: at, le- at least they can form their opinion and decide which which way right. they believe and, and get some additional information and research. So that sets sets us up well for the legislators in Louisiana. What was the battle there in this session? Well, um, in, Specifically in on of, this topic, of course.
3: Yeah, again, yeah, in, in terms of the um, in terms of the solar subsidy, um, as you as you probably know, back in 2007, Louisiana adopted probably what's the was the most lucrative solar tax credit program in America, um, and you know I won't go into the details of all that, but but you know it's been in place for eight years, and and you know up, up over 150 million dollars in tax credits have been granted to uh, this industry. Um, this year the state was facing a, a serious financial shortfall in an in area of $1.6 billion. Um, we're looking at, at possibly having to close universities and hospitals, um, lay off tenured professors. Um, I mean, um, universities including LSU, for instance, had begun taking preliminary steps to um, file bankruptcy. So, I mean, it was, it was a very, very serious, serious budget issue that the legislators are faced with. Um, the session was for 60 days. It ran from early April until early June. Um, and in that time, I mean, they grappled with some serious uh, issues, both budget cuts, um, reductions of tax credits, and revenue-raising measures, you know. Um, so they really, uh, it, it, and it's an election year. You know, so, you know, that's never a good time to do all that sort of (laughs) thing. But, I mean, the the state was, you know. It had to be done. It had to be done. So they did it. And, you know, they focused on this uh, representative Eric Ponte. There were a number of bills filed to try to deal with the solar tax credit to get it under control. Um, I think um, I mentioned at one point in a prior conversation that, as originally proposed, the subsidy was expected to cost the state $500,000 a year. In 2014, it cost the state $63 million, and it was projected in 2015 to cost the state over $80 million. And you know, so they, it was they had to do something to get it under control. So, several bills were filed, but the one that was settled upon to move was uh, House Bill 779 by Representative Eric Ponte. Um In its original um, form, it sought to uh, to put a cap on purchase solar systems to eliminate the solar and eliminate the solar leasing program entirely. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. So now when the bill, when these bills were filed, you're talking about lobbyists. I mean, the solar industry went out and hired um, some of the most influential lobbying firms in Louisiana, um, most of which were located here in Baton Rouge. The estimates just based on seeing who they had working for them, we guess that they had at least twenty lobbyists, you know, working this issue to try to, you know, maintain their subsidy. Uh, and like I said, I mean, these just weren't your, your mom and pop lobbying groups. These were your professional.
0: These were the heavy hitters.
3: Heavy hitters. That's right. So I mean, it was you know, it was it was a it was full on. You know, um, making a long story short, um, you know, the bill worked its way you know through the process. Um, there were some amendments done. Uh, it actually went, I mean, there were minutes all the way up to the end. Uh, it went to a conference committee um, it, it, in, in the rainy days of the session. So, I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't done until, I don't know, it wasn't the last day. Maybe it was the second to last day of the session before, you know, um, it was really the issue was finally dispensed with. But the, uh, the result was, and, and I'll just kind of kick off kind of some of the bullet points here, the bill um, reduces the credit value to the, to, to the lessee, lesser of 50% of the system cost or $2 per watt or $10,000, which basically means that that they can get uh, the lesser of, in terms of the tax credit, $2 per watt to output or um, a $10,000 tax credit, which would be 50% of $20,000. Um,
0: and that's for new installations?
3: Correct. Okay. It, uh, requires because increase. the
0: the the previous installations have already received their tax credit.
3: That's right. That's
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. Just want to make sure I got
3: it. Yeah, they were receiving up to twelve thousand five hundred. So they reduce it from twelve five down to ten. Um it increased the amount of documentation necessary to claim the credit that the um, that the credit requester has to provide to the Louisiana Department of Revenue. And we um, had a provision in there that said that the Department of Revenue made total tax credits um, for taxpayers who may have tax liens or judgments uh, from the state, the federal government, or any other uh, claimant. Uh, there were a number well, there were some of the key players, particularly on the solar leasing side, who, while they were in the, in the process of receiving Lucrative, very lucrative tax credits from the state. They they were not bothering to actually pay their their other state tax liability, as as absurd as that sounds. Um, so, but it, anyway,
0: it sounds so. a lot like IRS employees that have back taxes due, but are getting bonuses. It kind of sounds like the same same yeah. general yeah. idea.
3: Yeah, and when you know when the legislature got wind of that, they're like, oh no! I mean, you know, and, and, and committee came up and the questions were asked. I mean to the fact that, so you're telling me on the one hand these people are requesting, you know, tens of millions of dollars in tax credits, refundable tax credits from the state, but in the same token they're not paying their taxes that they owe? Yes, sir. Well, as soon as they heard that, they said, no, enough of that. Yeah, so yeah. So they, um, you know, so that the, uh, the that particular, those industry folks can't blame anyone but themselves for that, for that provision of the law. Um, it implemented CAPS on the uh, leasing program, leasing systems at $10 million a year, uh, and on the sales uh, at $10 million a year as well going forward. Now, this entire program... So you're
0: meaning, what you're meaning, let me just uh, make sure I'm clear. So on $10 million a year, is $10 million for leasing, $10 million for sales. And once $10 million a year in tax credits have been given out, no more tax credits are available, is that the idea?
3: Well... Um, it depends on when, where, where in the chain that happens. I mean, if if they exceed, you know, ten million in requests for a year, those extra will roll over to the subsequent year uh, and can and can be redeemed then. Um, now the entire uh, program sunsets uh, at the end of twenty seventeen. Okay, so that's just a couple years away. So this is really, right. um, you know, the this has really put the solar folks in a box because they, there's this $10 million cap out there, but it's not so easy for them to, to, to know where, where the number is at a particular time, point in time. So they're out you know, selling these systems, so they're going to have a very difficult time, I think, um, telling customers with any guaranteed certainty that, that they will actually get this credit. Okay, yeah. so I mean, so it's it's really the cap, you know. While it was a good idea to to get the the industry under control and these tax credits under control, it, it's really going to create a um, an issue for these folks if, if they're honest with their customers, you know, not yeah. maybe selling these things and not telling people, but you know, um, so you know they uh, those. So systems,
0: overall, you know, we're we're about, we're about out of time, Emery. So overall, does the solar industry feel like they got a haircut, or do they feel like they won?
3: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They realize they, they took a significant haircut cut. And, the, you know, the solar uh, sales folks are, are very upset at the solar leasing folks because the sales folks felt that, you know, they, if anybody was out there, you know, trying to do the right thing that, you know, they were and that this program originally was conceived for them, and now, you know, these leasing folks have come in and, and just exploded, you know, these tax credits, uh, and engage in all this other behavior that, that the solar sales folks have ultimately had to pay for as well. You know. Yeah. So there's
4: been-
0: we're, we're, we been- we're out of time, Emory. I'm over time already, but I, it's been a fascinating discussion with you, and I appreciate you taking the time to update us today on what's happened with policy in Louisiana. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with America's Voice for Energy.
2: My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio.
4: The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. I'm Marita Noon, your host, and in this segment we're going to be joined by a friend of mine, Commissioner... Pat Lyons, who is a public regulatory commissioner in the state of New Mexico, and Pat has dealt with a lot as a commissioner. He's dealt with a lot of these uh, renewable issues and the subsidies and reliabilities, and so that's what we're going to talk about in this segment. So, Pat, thanks for joining me today on America's Voice for Energy.
5: Well, thank you, Maria, and I read your articles nearly every week, and you're doing a great job for Energy makes America great, so uh, keep up the good work.
0: Oh, why, thank you. You're so kind. I appreciate that. You know, we're talking this week uh, specifically because of this uh, IPO filing from a company, a solar company, called Sun run Inc and one of the things that I was particularly uh, pleased with when I found their s1 form uh, is how frequently it talked about that they're dependent on government policy they're dependent on subsidies they're talking they're dependent on net metering and in fact Sunrun acknowledges that they, they don't go into states that don't have these favorable policies, particularly a renewable portfolio standard and a net metering policy. And New Mexico has both of those policies. And we've recently seen SolarCity, a competitor to Sunrun, moving into uh, New Mexico. And you and I have talked about that in the past what do you see happening in your state, Commissioner Lyons?
5: Well, what I see coming up here is the net metering issue and being tied onto the system at the same time you have these solar panels is going to create a problem not only here but in all the other states. In fact, they're talking about it at national regulatory commissioners' conferences around the nation that who's going to pay for upgrading the entire system when it's needed or maintain the system when it, when something happens. If you have so many people not paying in, those costs are shifted mainly over to people that really can't afford to put these big solar panels all over the roofs. So that's really a concern and this net metering issue is gonna to have to be addressed real soon because it's just it's just isn't gonna work the way it's worth working because it's gonna shift a lot of the costs from lower income to, from the higher income people to lower income people.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up the idea of upgrading the grid and and the transmission lines and so forth, because as I do radio interviews on these on similar topics, I've been talking about net metering as you know for probably at least a year, if not two years now. Uh, I've had people argue with me on the radio that they don't see any problem with. As a solar panel user, uh, or you know, they have solar panels on their roof. They sell the excess electricity back into the grid. And the reality is their utility bill at the end of the month or at the end of the year, if you average it out, may actually come out to be zero. And they're like, they're excited that they're not paying um, anything to utility company they're getting free electricity and they kind of argue with me on they think this is a great idea and i'm like how do you see that this is not that this is fair that you are are not paying anything but yet you're using the system and that therefore the cost as you wisely said gets shifted on to the other consumers do you hear that kind of argument within your commission meetings
5: well, absolutely. There's people who stand up and say they got to have this net meter and it should, it should be there to work. But my response to them is, you know, if it's the solar system, is so good and great, <clears throat> why don't you just get off the system then completely? Exactly, unplug, unplug from the grid. That, that's right, just unplug from it.
0: But they can't so, as the sol- Documentation there um, that my column is based on says it says they're going they'll get electricity from their from the solar panels and then when when they need more they'll get it from the utility company so they're acknowledging in the Sunrun documentation that really the solar panels are not enough.
5: No, you're exactly right. They're they're saying they have to be dependent on the system, but at the same time <clears throat> they don't want to pay anything to upgrade the system so or keep maintaining the system. So it just doesn't work that way. I don't know where their argument comes from. It doesn't work that way. Uh,
0: Do you find, I know you and I uh, agree on, I think, virtually every one of these issues, but do you find that your fellow commissioners understand this, or are they, some of them, ideologically kind of married to the renewable energy narrative?
5: No, I think most of the commission here in New Mexico, they really understand the backbone of everything and how it should work and especially after our commissioners are engaged in attending a lot of national conferences and it didn't it's not just us here in new mexico and arizona where all the sun shines it's, i had one of the most liberal commission commissioners in new york tell me he said it was a reverse robin hood and i said what do you mean yeah it just shifting the, the the cost to the poor from the wealthy that can afford it and you know what he's exactly right so they realized in other states too
0: Well, wow, that's amazing to hear that a liberal commissioner from New York gets that. That's extremely encouraging because the reality is these systems are expensive. And so it's, it's the well-off that aren't necessarily wealthy, because a, a well-to-do middle-class folks can afford a solar system if they choose that as a, finan- as a priority for their budget. But uh, it's definitely the higher income, the higher earners that are investing in solar, and um, the, it's the others, the lower-income folks, that are paying the price. So it's definitely a reverse Robin Hood, but I find that encouraging. That, uh, that someone in New York is realizing that.
5: Absolutely, they're realizing all over the nation. That's why it's going to have to. These states are going to have to address. And these net metering is offering a, a, a big buyback. They're going to have to start addressing that because it's going to come back to bite them. It's going to just result in increase in rates. But there's some arguments saying, well, we're the ones that pay, pay most of the taxes, so all our, all, most of our tax incentives comes from all of Amer- Americans, and we pay most of that, so we're getting some back. But well, that's not any argument there. I mean, without the tax incentives, a lot of these programs don't work, and I'll get into that talk to you about it in a little bit. We're out of time, but it kind of reminds me of, of, of the, all the tax incentives they had back in the ethanol industry years ago.
0: Yes, you were telling me that before we were on the air. And in my column, I quote a gentleman who was involved in the ethanol in the industry back then. Um, and You're right. So what, what, what's your experience with that?
5: Well, I grew up in eastern New Mexico where they grow a lot of corn, a lot of milo, and ethanol when it was in the in the 70s coming in and lots of tax breaks, lots of new things by the government there to help to promote the ethanol industry. I remember one section of land right uh, about four miles from the Texas line, a guy put an ethanol plant on each corner there and was trying to make the ethanol, and they had one in Tucumcari, which none of these are in business anymore. They had one in Pertalus. They had one in three different areas in eastern New Mexico. None of those are in business now because all the taxes and all the government subsidies were taken away from it. In fact, we in New Mexico, the legislature put in, if you, if you uh, run some ethanol through there, you can get a... Get the seventeen cents gas tax off of it. We had guys bringing over a semi truckload of ethanol from Texas, just unloading it, running it through the through the plant, then reloading it right back up. It's all done in about two hours. They were getting the tax break seventeen cents, so it was a loophole there. So the solar industry kind of reminds you that it's a it's a fad right now, and, it, and it's a good fad. I hope it works. I hope it. I mean, I, I'm all for it. If but well, you can't. You can't have it be tied to the system and not want to pay anything for the whole system to upgrade it at the same time Be dependent on federal subsidies and think it's going to work because it just doesn't work that way. Once these federal subsidies run out, solar industry, it, I think their stock prices are going to fall down and you'll, you'll see it's not going to work as well.
0: Yeah, it's certainly as the Sun, Sun Run S1 form uh, made clear that if these subsidies, if changes in these policies take place, that they may not have a market for their product, and we're seeing that. Uh, I know in Arizona, which uh, next door to New Mexico, they're one of the early adapters of solar because, of course, Arizona certainly has a lot of sunshine. They've already had to make changes, and uh, Salt River Project, they're charging, uh, I believe it's $50 a month for a hookup fee for users of solar panels, the Arizona Public Service. Uh, They're charging a small cost right now, but they're expecting it. They're in a $3 to $5 monthly access, but they're expecting that to escalate. And uh, Tucson Electric Power wants to change the net metering from – paying the, the producer of electricity from the rooftop solar panels. They're currently paying them retail, and they're wanting to change it to wholesale. And uh, the reality is if those changes take place, solar may not be viable.
5: Well, that, that's true. That's just part of, the, part of the incentives there. But let me just give you, like, um, I'm, a, I'm a local rancher. i got solar panels on, on windmills out there they are not hooked to the grid. Because we're so far isolated out there, It really right. work very well when the sun shines, and it pumps water really good. I mean, it is it, it, cheaper than having windmill. Windmill takes a lot to work on; they tear up a lot. So the solar panel is working good.
0: Now, but when I'm you say windmill, though, let me just—when you say windmill, you're not talking about an electricity generating wind turbine. You're talking about a windmill out there on your ranch to bring water up, correct?
5: That's correct. I'm, yeah, okay. I should have said that, but I'm talking about the old windmills that started it. Uh, out here in western America and the western yeah. states pump water for you and, and and they're costly to keep up and, and, and they tear up a lot of their solar panels more ground level and it doesn't mess up as much in the high winds and also we have a lot of sun so that works very well <clears throat> and I'm off the system so so that's good, it really has helped me But you and, I don't mind, and I'm not, not on the system because I'm, I'm isolated out there So, but, but when you people that want to have pay zero net metering is zero, it just doesn't work that way. Just, I mean, that's just not how a system is going to work. And what it's going to do? It's going to harm other people, and that, that's what really bothers me.
0: And that's uh, that's what you all on the commission and commissions nationwide, from what you're telling me, are concerned about and, and seeing that that's a reality.
5: That's exactly right. You're exactly right. And I think it's coming home. The chickens are coming home to roost, and and, and you're going to see a lot more changes. You mentioned the one in Arizona. I think they're just a, a lead state on it. I think you're going to see that in other states coming up.
0: Yes, as we talked about in a previous segment in Louisiana, they just passed, the legislature passed changes to their generous subsidies that Governor Jindal signed into law on June 19th. So, uh, Commissioner Lyons from New Mexico, we've got about another 40 seconds left. Well, anything else you want to address on this subject for our listeners?
5: Well, just one other thing, you have to, the reliability of the system when I became a commissioner five years ago, I always thought affordability is the most important thing, but the longer I'm here, I'm realizing that reliability is, is probably is more important than affordability. When you get up in the morning and you flip the switch and want that light to come on, if you have to pay a little bit more, then you'll do that. So when you go to all this alternative energy, you have to have reliability. You have to have backup. And that's what we got to make sure we have, reliability to people, because Cheap energy is what have made America great. We gotta make sure we keep the energy at a reasonable cost and make sure it's there when you want it.
0: Yeah, and that's that's an important factor. That's that's uh, the, all the renewables are causing a lot of the backup system not backup but the, the what has been baseload to not function as well so i appreciate your insights and your time we've been talking with commissioner pat lyons a public regulatory commissioner from my home state of new mexico thanks for joining us today on america's voice for energy heard on americaswebradio.com
3: you're listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio thank you for listening